As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I am your host, Josh G. And today, I am joined for the second time. You may have heard him on the Whiplash episode. He is one of the hosts of the Middle Class Film Class podcast. Please welcome Pete back to the show. Hello, Josh and listeners. It's great to be back. All right, so in case they're tuning into this and didn't hear you on the first, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Middle Class Film Class? Sure. Uh, our show, it's a middle-class film class. It's available on every pod streaming service you've heard of and everyone that you haven't heard of. Uh, we stream, we're basically record live to tape like a radio show. So we no editing, all the music's put in live. Um, we essentially kind of treat it like it's like a morning radio show. Um, we do two episodes a week. They're about an hour long each. Mondays are Gab and Chatter. And that is uh, movie news, conversations of the week, discussion topics, and then uh, streaming recommendations from all three of us, me, Joseph, and Tyler. And then on Wednesdays, we do one deep dive review uh, that we choose at random from our spinning wheel of destiny. And the wheel is also populated with a fan pick. So we're really, really heavy on interaction. We take calls in from guests. Um, we do trivia segments with uh, friends on the show, whatever we feel like doing that day. So every week's a little bit different sometimes. And uh, just this last week, we just, just today actually, we recorded the final installment of the Godfather trilogy, Godfather Part 3. And I had one of my old friends from high school who is a Godfather Part 3 apologist who says that number three does not deserve all the hate that it gets. And he's seen it over 30 times. He came onto the show to tell us why. And uh, it was a good time. All right, so if you're listening to this the day of release, that episode for them will be out tomorrow morning because this will be out Tuesday. So, Oh, perfect. Yeah. Nice. Good timing. So go check them out. But Thank for you. now, we're going to go to the movie Pete picked talked about. We're going back to 2012. We're going to a remake. This is Dread 3D. This is Dread. Judgment time. Critics are blown away with Dread 3D. To betray the law, the sentence is death. It's truly spectacular. The 3D is nothing short of stunning. It's like nothing I've ever seen. It's just damn awesome. Yeah. Dread 3D. Rated R. Now playing. Oh yeah, 3D. <laughs> I totally right. forgot. Yes. So when did you first see this? Let's go to that. I didn't keep it in the, I didn't see it in theaters. Um, I honestly, I was, I was a little, I was a little outside of, um, I was in a weird place in my life in 2012. <laughs> um, but no, ultimately it was, I wasn't seeing a whole lot of movies in theaters at that time in my life. And I heard about it and I'm like, man, they're remaking that Sylvester Sloan movie. All right, whatever. And I didn't really give it a whole lot of credence. And I think I saw it a few years later and was everybody was saying, I heard a few people say, hey, Dread's way better than you think. It's pretty damn good. There's some really gory shit in there with some slow-mo and real like really interesting camera movements. And um, so I gave it a shot. I watched, I think I just rented it on Netflix DVD send-away service because I've had their send-away service since like 2008, I think, maybe. That's when I started using them. 
and I sent away for it on the on the DVD. Watched it and just fell in love. It was so gritty and way more bloody than the original. It's a way more serious movie, as as cheesy and goofy as it is at times, like over the top it is. The original Judge Dredd I watched as a child, and I it kind of gave me like a Ninja Turtles vibe, like kind of like living in this weird, clearly a set, um, very nineties. And I didn't get a whole lot of that from Dread, so um, that was, I'm I've been kind of itching to rewatch it again. I watched it again recently in the last year, uh, when it was streaming on Hulu, and it's hundred percent. I I think I like it better now. So good. Yeah, I also skipped this one in the theaters, and I will tell a Judge Dread story when we get to the remake section of this. All right, because that's the reason I skipped this in theaters, and then like you, I heard how good it was. Mm-hmm. I also. At the time, and still do own a 3D TV, and the three this comes with the 3D version. So, and it's one of the best 3D movies. I I like own 3D better than theater 3D anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works a little better, I think, than going to the theater and seeing the the gimmick doesn't work in the theater as well. Is what I'm saying. Interesting. I've never seen an at home 3D movie. That's interesting. Yeah, and that one works pretty well. I mean, you I mean you can watch it without the 3D and see that the slow mo stuff is going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can tell that you would it would work. Oh yeah, there's a lot of a lot of in your face uh, camera camera play. But until before we go any further, why don't you tell everyone what this version of Dread is about? Okay, sure. Um, so this movie is a set in a somewhat distant um, and pretty dystopian future, and it's set in the area between what formerly was Boston and New York City. So it's this large, expansive land which is now one city called mega city one and judge dread dispenses his uh in, in this universe in this uh, reality that we're living in um the ju- a judge the role of judge is basically a hybrid between a judge and a police officer where they're able to dispense their own legal form of justice and be able to give a judgment or even execute a perpetrator on site um, so it's set in Mega City One. It's a home to 800 million people, and over 30,000 violent crimes are called in per day. So there's a per- pervasive drug called slow mo in the community, and there's individual blocks of buildings or houses that um, that hold tens of thousands of people um, in their like 200 story structure. So since Judge Dredd is a particularly effective judge, he's tasked with training a rookie. He's got 24 hours to take Cassandra Anderson and let her prove that she's got what it takes to be a judge herself. Although she's not the usual su- uh, type of recruit that they have, uh, she's armed with like a, a psychic intuition and a power that proves very helpful as they both get locked inside the Peachtree Mega Block apartment complex, which is 200 stories tall, and they're hunted like animals by the ruthless gang leader Mama, played by Lena Headley, or Heat Hetty. And uh, that's pretty much it. If you've ever seen Raid Redemption, it's yep. pretty much like that. <laughs> Work your way up floor by floor. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Just like a video game. <laughs> All right. So just tell us a few things like what it is. Like you went back and you say you like it more. What is it that made you love this even more than before, I guess? Talk about why you love it. Well, the first time I saw it, it was it was kind of disarming how um, how guttural and visceral the gore is. There's, there's some like slow motion. I mean, so the drug is called slow-mo. And it kind of reminds me of the, um, it kind of reminds me of the, I think it's called Neuroin. I think it's called Neuroin. It's the drug from um, uh, Minority Report. 
where they take it kind of like a little inhaler and you breathe in the inhaler and now time stops or slows down to like one hundredth of the normal speed. So these these uh, slow-mo heads are, are kind of hanging around and they're in these little drug houses or drug apartments in this complex and you know Judge Jett will bust in and they're all on slow-mo so they see this door explode open and it's ultra, ultra, ultra slow-mo camera super high frames per second and you see the wind of the shockwave of the bullets flying through the air and when it hits one of the perps in the cheek it, like you see their cheek explode out the opposite side and they don't shy away from anything i mean there's bullets going through people's heads through their faces blowing hands off and then it cuts back instantly to the full speed and it's you know very fast uh, automatic um, automatic pistol that he's got and it's um it's really shocking so that's kind of like that was something that was very disarming for me at the, at the when I f watched it the first time that I wasn't really paying attention to. I think like the absurdity and the humor behind it. Um, I also didn't know who Carl Urban was, so I didn't even know like years later having watched other Carl Urban uh, properties. Then I, I I didn't even realize that that was him because he never takes his mask off or his uh, his helmet off. So. That's something that's uh, very true to the comic, and some one of the reasons why I think this project succeeded much more than the Sylvester Stallone did one did because um, the creator or the writer of the of Dread stuck very true to the comic, and Carl Urban agreed, and he said, "I will not do the movie if you have me take my helmet off." He said, "No, will not do it." So he made, he drew a line in the sand, and so did the so did the writer Alex Garland. So um, having watched it a new t <laughs> a second time. It is very funny. There, there is, there is a lot of like he's got, he's got like the cool one-liners that Arnold had from like the late '80s and early '90s. But they are actually, they are actually land like they're played serious, and they work on a serious level. But they also work on a on a comedic level, like a so cheesy it's it's funny level. And I think that's a really hard thing to pull off. And I'm I'm actually every time I watch it, I'm just more impressed with. <laughs> there's the. When was the last time you watched it? Just recently? No, I did not rewatch it for this. Oh, so it's actually okay. been a little bit. So there's there's a there's a bit where um they're they're being chased, they're being hunted throughout the peach trees, up and down these multiple stories of two hundred stories, and um the the leader Mama is uh, she got, basically gets a minigun, a turret mounted minigun, and annihilates an entire level. Let's just tens of thousands of rounds spent into this. Um, into this across the the apartment complex is a giant square with an open center all the way to the top, and she's shooting across the way to the the level where she knows that the judge dread is, and just completely obliterates this entire block. Hundreds of maybe 10, 15 people are getting just melted with bullets. Dread makes it out, and uh, he, I think they send an enforcer in after him or something through the smoke, and it's like a fire, flaming fiery smoke. And this enforcer goes in, you hear some bullets, and then Dread, Dread walks out, cools a cucumber, tosses this dude off at like the 50th story, doesn't say a word, doesn't look, I think he just looks at her and then turns around and walks back into the smoke. And it's so fucking cool. It's, <laughs> it's like, he's a badass. I mean, there's nothing more to it. And um, the movie itself is knows very much what it is. And it's, you're getting a shoot him up gore fest with a little bit of artistic uh, pizzazz put on it um and the characters which are very actually very cool all the villains are cool 
Um, the protagonist is cool. His sidekick is, eh, she's kind of a, kind of a push either way, but she kind of comes into her own, her own near the end, which, uh, was, it was, it was, it was pretty good. And yeah, like I said, after rewatching it, it definitely holds up. So now, and this, there was actually a big push for this for a while. I think in mm-hmm. like 2017, 2018, there was like a big campaign going around and that's, we're getting into sequel territory. Oh yeah. So they were trying to get it done. Obviously, it didn't get done. Doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's going to get done, unfortunately. Yeah. But had they done that, what would you want to see in a sequel to Dread? I think probably the biggest thing is the biggest detriment of this movie, and also one of its strengths, is that it all takes place in this one building. You get a little bit before that kind of gives you a bit of you know Dread's character, and you get a little bit of the world building, and you see inside the police station. But then as soon as they enter the um, Peachtree Apartments, which is probably 10 minutes in, that's it. They're locked in there, and it's a, a, a fight to get out. I would love to see more of the actual world that they live in because the first one was very expansive, and you see you see a lot of what's happening around and just how shitty it is and how the, the bad outweighs the good in that world. And I think there's a lot of fun to be had there, a la like a Escape from New York or... Um, Maybe even like Streets of Rage. No, not Streets of Rage. Streets of, Streets of Fire, I think this is the, the old Willem Dafoe movie. Yeah, and, Streets of Rage, the old video game. Yeah, <laughs> get it mixed up. Um, but yeah, I think focusing, maybe not necessarily focusing on the world, but allowing the character to live outside in that world and just kind of follow him would be pretty cool. Um, I don't, plot-wise, I mean, there's a million ways to do it. I, I actually have some interesting trivia Okay, so when Alex Gar- Garland originally wrote the um, was writing the movie and pitching it, he wrote three different treatments. Um, so the first one was based off of the Dark Judge's uh, uh, storyline within the comic, um, and it features an encounter between Dread and a rival judge named the Judge Death. Um, but Garland ab- abandoned that after uh, after all. Uh, he actually worked on it for like over a year. 16 different drafts in the story, and he basically said he couldn't come up with much, much on the storyline. It just didn't work. Uh, the second second one he did was uh, related to the Dreads uh, Cursed Earth storyline in the comic book, and that was abandoned for the same reason. And then the third treatment was an adaptation of a pro-democracy terrorist attack uh, attacking the judge's storyline, but Garland felt that the story and the ideas were just too grandiose in nature, and he wanted to stick with something more so- similar. He did say, however, though, that third third version would make it into the third of a trilogy if it ever came to a trilogy. So maybe one day we'll get a second one and that would be the storyline for the trilogy. Um, I don't really see it happening though. Alex Garland's onto bigger, big things now. So. Yeah, I think you're right. Unfortunately, I'd love to see it happen though. No, I hadn't looked that up. So I didn't know that. So that's kind of cool. I have kind of heard that Alex Garland, while he was the writer, he almost pretty much directed this as well. Absolutely, he did. <laughs> so, I guess the director wasn't doing too much there. <laughs> that was a uh, Pete Travis is officially credited as the director, and uh, um, he was actually after the film was shot, he was prohibited from participating in any of the editing process uh, due to disagreements between the producers and and the executives. So Alex Garland took over the editing process, and he had such a big contribution that he was basically seeking to go get a to get a co director co director credit. Um, but it never ended up happening. And Pete Travis and Alex Garland released at some point, they released a joint statement saying that they reached a unorthodox collaboration. 
and that there he was no longer seeking the co co director production or credit. So um, <laughs> Carl Urban also confirms that P, uh, Alex Harlan was the director. So there you go. Very weird. Yeah, that that is that is a strange. Well, you know what? I mean, it wasn't as big a disagreement, but I also heard that say like Tombstone, George P. Cosmatos, that basically Kurt Russell directed that while on set. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I could see it considering Cosmatos is, it doesn't have a lot of the hallmarks of his like directing style. It's a little bit more subdued in most of it. Um, I don't know what Kurt Russell's directing style is, but I guess it's Tombstone. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to go back. You've talked a little bit about it. So let's talk a little bit more about the original Judge Dredd. Like you saw okay. it as a kid. Did you just stumble upon it on TV? Yeah, I honestly, gosh, that's so long ago. I feel like I get that and Demolition Man like molded together in my head. So oh, I, don't, I, I don't like that. Demolition Man is <laughs> fucking awesome. Judge Dredd is not. I just, I just don't even recall enough about Judge Dredd to even... I couldn't even like pick out a scene. I'll probably go back and rewatch it as an adult and all this like wave of emotion and trauma will come back to me. <laughs> but uh, as far as I remember, I didn't, I don't remember loving it. Um, I remember it being cheesy and kind of uneventful. Um, but I do like, I do remember J Demolition Man a lot and that era of Stallone plus the Demolition Man. He's got the black and black and red um, uh, uniform for his, for, for being the police officer or whatever. Isn't he? Is it? No? You're shaking that's your judge, head now. That, that's Judge Dredd. I see my head he, and in my head in Demolition Man, he's wearing the same outfit. <laughs> it, it doesn't have the red in it. It is okay, pretty black. much black, I think. Yes, it doesn't, but the red is specifically Judge Dredd. Wait, so you're telling me that Judge Dredd doesn't have Rob Schneider in it? That's not fair. You didn't take the bait. That's not fair. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't remember much of it. Um, but I don't, I don't remember loving it. I remember that the, the character seemed iconic. Like I was like, this is somebody I, it's, they're kind of pitching it like the, the, um, advertising was pitching it kind of like as somebody I should know, but the, the character only comes from a British weekly comic strip called 2000 AD that was from 1978, uh, up until like almost present day, I think. And so I don't I don't know why anybody American audiences should know that character, but uh, he seemed cool. <laughs> <laughs> he did seem cool. And me and a couple of buddies. And if you've listened to the deep dive reviews, you do Chad and Chris. We were the yeah. ones we went yeah. to go see this in theaters the summer of 95. I was nine years old. Now, back then, my dad bought us a ticket and dropped us off to an R. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. They could do that. Nowadays, you got to have somebody in there. Come back with a pack of smokes, too. <laughs> yeah. But I remember us going down to the front row of the theater all the way near the wall because we were getting so bored with this damn movie that oh, what wow. we, yeah, what we were doing was one of us would crawl across the floor behind the theater screen. They had a fire ladder up the back of the screen and we were taking turns climbing up that, making each wow. other laugh to keep us entertained because, oh, I did not like this movie. That bad, huh? Yeah. And I, re I revisited it a few years ago. And I was like, eh, it's still not good. And I, and I really don't have too many thoughts on it. I don't even remember much about it then, other than him screaming, I am the law. But he, I, do, I do remember that uh, slurred shouting, yeah. I am the law. Yeah, I can't, like I can't do a Stallone. There's no way. <laughs> 
I uh, I'm, I think I'm adding that to my watch list right now just for you. And then <laughs> we can do a spinoff called my least favorite uh, movie. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and see, that I try to promote positivity. So if someone brings that one to me, I will let it look. Every movie is someone's favorite movie. So. That is your, that's right. I, I, I did a I did a, a, a guest spot on a show that I don't know if it ever aired now that I'm thinking about it like nine oh, months Lord. ago. <laughs> And it was it was about uh, Snake Island, a movie called Snake Island, and it's like a low budget kind of sci fi type movie, and uh, it's just about a bunch of people that go they're trying to go on a trip and they get stuck on this island called Snake Island, and guess what? There's a bunch of snakes there, and <laughs> and at one point one of the snakes uh, uh is watching these people dance and he's uh getting turned on by it, and then he gets on the DJ table and starts scratching the distance records, and I'm like, where what is happening with this movie? And I looked yeah. on Letterboxd, and there's five star reviews for that movie. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's insane. It's got to be someone's <laughs> favorite movie. It has to be. It has to be. But now back to the task game. All right, and that's yeah, yeah, it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Since we're definitely probably not gonna get these sequels, maybe they we can get a remake. Okay. I don't know if it'll be a good, but who are you putting in some of these roles? Uh, this is a very very difficult question because. When I am in when I envision Judge Dredd, I cannot see anyone's chin except for Carl Urban now. That scowl is like burned into my mind. But there was is one very iconic chin that I would love to see under that under that helmet, and that'd be Henry Cavill. He would be a delight under there. Um, so he's got the physique. He's very big. He's hulking, and uh, he's definitely got into the nerd culture. So I think he'd be um, he'd be down for it. So um, he would be my pick for uh, Dread for Judge Dread. Second would be probably um, Aaron Eckhart, only because of his chin. Also, um, basically, just it is. It's chin, about chin. the chin. I it mean, is that's... <laughs> visually. Um, that's the selling point. That's right. And then uh, for the rookie, for um, I would probably do Elizabeth Olsen or Elle Fanning, depending on the age. If I'm going, if I'm going young Elizabeth Olsen, great. But if this is if this is being produced in five years and she's a little too old for that character, Elle Fanning for sure. Both got acting chops. Both are seem diminutive in stature, but I feel like they could both pull off a kick-ass character. Um, for Mama, I'm going to go with Elizabeth Moss. She is a fantastic actor. And um, I w- I, I've seen some shit in The Handmaid's Tale that tells me that she would be able to do some gruesome things. Um, and then another alternative for that would be Lupita Nyong'o from Us. I like her. I like her a lot. And she's got a very charismatic look about her. And and Mama is not, she is very despicable, but she has a little bit of a charisma that you kind of want to like her, especially because of her, uh, her origin story of being a, basically a jilted uh, prostitute who killed her pimp and r- rose to power, took over his territory, which I like. Um, for the cat, the hacker who's paid, played in dread by Brendan Gleeson, or I'm sorry, Domino Gleeson. Um, I'd replace him with Kieran Culkin. He's already got the stringy, sort of uh, never seen the sun look, or Topher Grace um, for the same reason. <laughs> and I would love to see Topher Grace uh, get cut up a little bit and get his eyes pulled out. That would be not too bad. Would be you okay with that? <laughs> and then, and then for K, K is the um, Mama's right hand man, um, the only person I could think of, and he's getting dragged all over, all over the Peachtree Apartments. He's not a particularly charismatic character in Dread, but I feel like they could do that a little bit better if they were to put someone who 
is charismatic like uh, Andy Circus, he would be my pick. Love love me some Circus. All right, yeah, yeah. All right, that sounds good. All right, final pitch time. Someone hasn't taken a chance on Dread. Maybe they're just still not convinced, and they still have the taste of Judge Dread in their mind, in their mouth. <laughs> You got to get it out and get them to take that chance. And this is your pitch to sell them on. It's not streaming for free anywhere. So your pitch to rent it. (laughs) Yeah. My $4 pitch. All right. So, (laughs) so if you're in the mood for an action movie, that is both nonstop, gruesome, fun, energetic, um, goofy over the top, but also done in a very realistic and a very, a very uh, real feeling way. Um, I know that it's basically the same thing, realistic and feels real. Um, <laughs> then uh, dread is your uh, dread is your pick. Um, another benefit of watching this movie is that you can it's just like um, I'm saying almost the same thing from the whiplash episode. But you have an auteur like Alex Garland, who's making things like Ex Machina, and Annihilation and the TV show devs, the TV series devs, which was made a fantastic concept, high concept show. Um, and then this uh, the upcoming um, uh, Men movie that's going to be releasing this year. You want to see where he got his start? This is where he got his start. This is his first uh, directed movie, although he's not credited for it. We all know what happened. And he wrote the screenplay. He spent a year writing a screenplay that he threw away because it wasn't good enough for this movie. And you get this. Um, so a lot of people discount credit uh, action movies for just being kind of shoot them up and mindless and whatever. And this is that. But I feel like it's like the best version of that. So um, very, very fun, entertaining characters, great cast, very simple storyline. And I don't give two shits that it's like Raid Redemption. Miss me with that. I don't want I don't want to hear it. There can be two movies about people fighting to the top of a tower. It's there's been a thousand diehard movies. It's fine. <laughs> and it's fair. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Avatar is just Fern Goalie, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's one I still have never taken a chance on. So Avatar? Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> well, I have the 3D version. So oh man. I heard it I'm, might be I'm, worth it for that. I'm coming over, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> Across the country. That's right. I'll have a flight night tonight. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's gonna wrap it up. Watch tell everyone, remind them where they can find you and the podcast and all that good stuff. Sure thing. Uh, so look, just, just go into your whatever podcast service you're listening to this on right now. Flip down, go to the search bar, type in middle class film class and hit the subscribe button. You will not uh, will not regret it. It's fun. It's funny. We have no nothing off topic unless you have very sensitive ears and you don't like uh, the occasional cussing and talking about bodily fluids. Then you're going to be fine. It's a, <laughs> it's a very fun show. And, and I mean, I'm telling you, we go everywhere from um you know, stories about Army Hammer potentially being a cannibal to discussions about, um, you know, what what your favorite time of what day, what time, favorite day of the week and time of day you would like to watch a movie on, um, you know, and everything in between. It's it's a fun time. And the three of us, Joseph, Tyler and, and myself, uh, we're good friends in real life and we record in person because we all live near each other. And it's a uh, it's a it's a really good time. So give us a shot. All right. And as always, you can follow the show. Twitter and Instagram is the best place. Uh, Twitter is the best place. YNF Movie Pod. Like I said, if you if you're listening here, just go ahead and hit that subscribe so you don't miss another episode. I'll be back next week with a special double episode week. I will have Duncan on from the Good Data Podcast. 
Good day. Yeah. GDT. We'll just call it that. That's what he says. Call it GDT podcast because it's a mouthful talking about coherence. And then next Friday will be Friday the 13th. And I will welcome back on author Anthony Brownlee. And we will be ranking the whole Friday the 13th franchise. Oh, nice. Yeah. So until then, you guys take care and I will talk to you next time. <laughs>